Welcome to another edition of the Hail to Michigan podcast. I'm your host tonight, Matt, and I'm joined by Contown. Contown, how are you? My palms have been sweaty for 48 plus hours, and sweaty palms are in the forecast for the next uh, six days. <laughs> I I was going to give a... Uh... A caveat before we started talking about the game that, like, we're recording this on Monday. So these are all of our feelings based off of, uh, you know, the weekend and the season that's been so far and what we've read and listened to on Sunday into Monday. But you know, these could change wildly by Friday or Saturday morning <laughs> because it's, this week is always kind of a... Uh, I shouldn't say always. The last few years, this week has been um, kind of a roller coaster of you know, what if they did win? I mean, they should win. Uh, man, what if they get blown out? Like, yeah, it just you kind of go through go through it all. You know, every emotion, um, and then uh, you know it gets to Saturday, and uh, that's usually the the worst day of all of them until kickoff and then it's like oh okay and <laughs> but still yeah. even even during like that lead up to it on the saturday morning it can be uh can be a wild week so um let's before we get into ohio state too much let's uh start by recapping what happened uh this past saturday um against maryland uh, michigan comes through uh with the win despite uh, what the best word to describe it is a little bit of a rocky second half. Um, maybe not even a little bit. I mean, in the fourth quarter, there were three straight possessions where Michigan was less than a touchdown ahead and Maryland had the ball. Um, let's Michigan survives 31 to 24. Let's start by talking about Maryland's uh, offense on Saturday. What, what was your general feel of like when Maryland had the ball on Saturday? Um, anyone stand out to you on the defensive side of the ball? Um, How do you think it played out on that side? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the two players that probably jumped out to most people were Kenneth Grant and uh, Mike Sanderstall. Mike Sanderstall, um, obviously, the two picks uh, yeah. for Sanderstall nearly had a third. He made a great play on the ball, but it was. Um, a little too far out of bounds for him to get his feet in Um, close. Yeah. Uh, But he, he kind of had a great feel for uh, what Tonga by law was, was doing on the field. And then I thought Kenneth Grant had a really good day against the run. And then obviously in the, um, uh, in the second half, especially the fourth quarter turned, turned in some, outstanding pass rush reps, um, as well. And I think, I think Maryland had a good plan. Um, yeah, we talked before the game about this is going to be one of the better passing attacks, uh, we've seen this year and that when he's good, Tunga Vailoa is, is really good. Um, and obviously Josh Gaddis has intimate knowledge of, uh, the general structure of Michigan's defense. He didn't overlap with Jesse Minter, but a lot of similarities uh, between Minter and McDonald. So I thought Maryland had a good plan and mentally um, 
kind of withstood the early avalanche of points by Michigan and uh, didn't quit and kept executing their plan and uh, gave Michigan a real test. But, you know, finally, second half, guys like Sanders, Joe, and Grant stepped up and Michigan closed the door. Yeah, we kind of got the full Talia experience, right? Yes. Uh, it, that third quarter, I mean, he, he was hot. He, he was hitting everything, uh, frustratingly so. Um, and then it's like he plays so well in that third quarter, and then the fourth quarter, he he couldn't hardly hit anything, and he ended up giving the game back to Michigan with his, um, you know, what basically was the capper with the safety um, on the intentional grounding, and just a horrible decision by him. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, probably um, the best quarterback Michigan has faced so far. Um, certainly the best passing offense all, you know, all together. Um, and, and they showed some, a few holes. Nothing, you know, I felt like a couple of their Maryland's bigger plays were just inch perfect passes that kind of tip your cap type results. Yep. Um, where as some of the earlier plays, um, you know, if in the first half or even early third quarter were, you know, they may have had a few busts here and there and a couple, you know, alarming things like the drag route um, down near the goal line. But, um, you know, overall, like a little bit of a combination of some concerning things and some just fantastic plays by Maryland that, you know, certainly leading into the biggest game of, of the year, um, is is a little bit of a question mark, but um, I didn't think it was you know the end of the world like some some fans were portraying after that game. Um, and, and I do think there's a little bit of an element to when you know it's the game before the game and you're up twenty three to three. Mm-hmm. The, the human nature factor of I don't want to say, you know, completely, you know, cashing it in there, but um, it's it's natural to take your foot off the gas a little bit. And, and they were fortunate to where it didn't end up costing them. Um, but, um, you know, eventually fourth quarter, the defensive front specifically, you know, Sainer still made the plays to, to end the drives, you know, a couple of interceptions, but the defensive front just completely dominated um, in the fourth quarter and, and took over the game. Um, and notable plays from, from Grant, from Mason Graham. Um, McGregor had a few big rushes. Yep. McGregor, uh, Harrell um, had a pressure in the fourth, I believe. So, um, just overall dominate performance uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, Something sides of the ball, a lot, lots being made of JJ's performance. Um, I, I just thought he was off. I just thought it was a, um, just not his best game for a number of different reasons. Some bad decisions, um, just some physical errors in terms of physical misses. Um, you know, even in the run game, you know, we thought that reads would be off for him. 
um, in the run game. And then he keeps one that I, I thought the defender made a good play, but still, and you know, wind up being a tough read. Um, yeah. What, what do you make of JJ's performance? You, you know, are you concerned? Do you, do you chalk it up to just an off day? What do you make of that? Yeah, I agree with your, your statement that there were multiple factors to it. I think, um, it should be said for both quarterbacks that, uh, the wind in this game was like significant. Um, so when you were, when Maryland was, uh, going, I think in the, the second and fourth quarters, uh, for Maryland or the first and fourth quarters for Maryland, second, third for Michigan, um, the wind was, was tough. And the second Mike, uh, Mikey Sanders interception was probably heavily wind aided. Yeah. So I think I think that affected play calling, which yep. affected rhythm. Um, and I think JJ was just never in rhythm. And that is following a game where he only threw eight passes. Um, so he hasn't really been like working uh, in rhythm in like a wide open offense for two straight games now, you know, going back to the Purdue game. So um and then I think, you know, there's there's boo-boos this time of year. Obviously, uh, he ran a couple times and took a couple of hits against Penn State. Um, he he was hit a couple times in this game, but I think coming into this game, people said, you know, he's a little beat up. So I think it's probably a combination of uh, the weather uh, for, for two of the four quarters, uh, just rhythm, play calling. Like it, it's, you know, week before Ohio State, it's going to be a little weird. He got a 20 point lead, so it got super conservative. Um, so he's just not just was never in a rhythm. And then, you know, probably a little physical too. He's probably he's probably a little sore. And uh when you're sore and you're playing with a lead in a game that you technically don't even need to win, uh, to win the conference, and then you're looking ahead to the next week, I think. I think there's a mix of physical and mental going on. So um, I don't necessarily think it's going to be something that carries over into Ohio State. I think if JJ doesn't have a good game against Ohio State, I think it, that's going to have more to do with Ohio State. Um, I think this was just kind of a weird mix of factors that um, he turned in, turned in a weird result like that. Yeah, I think you know the wind doesn't always come through. You know, everyone can see like the Washington game when it's pouring down rain, but the wind doesn't necessarily come through on the broadcast, but it impacts decision-making play calling, um, you know, punt here, as opposed to a game where the, you know, in perfect conditions, they normally go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things that often gets overlooked in games like this. And Harbaugh always mentions that like when a quarterback, um, when, when Michigan plays a win game, the quarterback plays well, or maybe even below his standard. Harbaugh will always say in the post game, you know, great effort despite the win, because he knows the difficulty that that can, you know, that that can, you know, be present, you know, present to a quarterback. Like the mm-hmm. that win factor can make it really difficult uh, to throw the ball. And and you mentioned like you know going a little bit conservative when they're up that you know that amount 23 to 3 or whatever they went for the one last you know the kill shot in the end zone that's when he threw the pick 
So then, you know, they completely shut it down, get pretty conservative for a little while, and then he's got to come out and throw again. It's hard to come back and get hot again. You know, that's yeah. a that's a difficult thing. You mentioned, you know, the word rhythm, and it, it's it's true. It to to stay to get back into rhythm when you've been kind of shut down for a portion of the game. It's uh, it can be very difficult. So, um, any big takeaways from the running game at all? I mean, Corm had uh, I thought a good day. Um, I I didn't think Maryland. You know, personally, my take on it was I didn't think Maryland was willing to let you know to give up a big day on the ground, especially considering the conditions. I thought they were pretty aggressive and um, stacked boxes. But any big takeaways for you in the run game? No, I'm about the same. They had Maryland had similar success. Uh, this is actually a, a decent run defense. They had similar success against Ohio State. Um, uh, they've got some decent players up front against the run. Uh, the uh, you know, we previewed them as such, but they're the defensive tackle that was a one-time, I believe, Michigan commit at one point. Jordan Phillips um, ends up going to Tennessee and then transferring to Maryland. Uh, the other kid, Tommy Akingbasote, and uh, a couple of pretty decent edges to outside of the Wyatt kid. Um, it's a good front. Jayshon Barham is playing good football now. So this has been a good front against the run. Um, they were they were absolutely selling out to stop the run. And um, uh, given, given that, and also given the fact that Michigan was missing with Darius Henderson and had – uh, Miles Hinton go down at one point. I thought it was, and, and given the fact that it was predictable that Michigan would get conservative uh, once they were up and get conservative when they were going against the wind, all things considered, it was a pretty decent game on the ground. Um, and Blake gets close to 100. Uh, and the two touchdowns, Donovan looked uh, mostly good, I would say. There's a couple, couple runs that I thought he made um, incorrect cuts on, but uh, he's, I think, continuing to start to return to normal. Um, Kyle Mullings only gets two carries, but he looks good. So I thought, given the circumstances, good day on the ground. Yep. yep I agree. I, I meant to ask you before, and we can talk about this offline, but I thought Bo Bray did a great job for Maryland in the run game. Yeah. Um, I, I liked him as a, I remember liking him as a recruit. Um, but he seemed undersized, and he is. Um, he's not a very big guy, but he played very well in the run game, I thought. And I thought Barham was was good as well. I, he kind of surprised me. I remember his recruiting being kind of weird. He blew up really early, maybe as a sophomore, and then didn't seem like a bunch of the heavy hitters were all that interested in him late. I thought he looked great. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, Jordan Phillips, uh, I believe he was a silent commit. I don't think he ever actually committed. Um, You're right. Yep. But uh, overall, um, the run game was you know, fairly successful. I mean, it, the yardage in general in this game was uh, very low. Uh, 291 total for Michigan and 262 total for Maryland. Um, and I, I thought for sure I jinxed Michigan because I remember – looking like I want to say it was after the interception and the yardage for Maryland was really low. 
like 60 yards. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking like, man, they are not moving the ball at all. And every drive, like three drives in a row, <laughs> they moved the ball and they scored. And I'm like, what, what are you, what are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, calling, calling that out. And then, uh, having it completely flip. Um, so I thought overall, um, they, um, the defense played as well as they had to and clamped it down at the end. And the offense, um, was successful, albeit not as successful as usual. So good to get out with a win, uh, survive in advance in that type of situation, especially, uh, given all the circumstances surrounding it and the game flow within it, um, get out of there with a win and move on to the biggest game of the year. Yep. Absolutely. Well, let's get into that. Uh, don't have to spend too much time on, on the details of where and when, same as it is every year, uh, noon in Ann Arbor. Michigan versus Ohio State. I believe Ohio State is ranked number two and Michigan's ranked number three. We'll see what the playoff committee says, but it really doesn't matter. Um, whoever wins this game is likely going to the playoff for the Big Ten. Um, the loser of this game, um, Ohio State maybe could have a path um, still to the playoff if some chaos ensues uh, in its close game, you know, a close loss to Michigan. I would be a little surprised if Michigan had much of a path um, if they lose at home. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of a winner take all with maybe a little bit of a rebound potential for Ohio state. But um, the third time both teams have been undefeated since 2000, uh, obviously last year uh, with Michigan coming out victorious and uh, 2006 with Ohio state winning uh, 42 to 39 in that one in Columbus. Uh, it's the first time it's been in Ann Arbor when they both are undefeated uh, in that stretch. So um, huge game, uh, needless to say, but let's get into a little bit of the breakdown. Let's start with Ohio State's offense. Um, you know the names. Everybody knows the names. Um, probably one of the best receiving room, you know, wide receiver rooms in the country, if not the best, uh, certainly the best individual wide receiver, uh, former five-star running back Travion Henderson, um, and friends Chip Trainum. Um, they played Dallas, Dallin Hayden a little bit, um, in this previous game against Minnesota, uh, Cade Stover at tight end, Kyle McCord, um, we, we all know about Ohio State, about their offense. Um, give me a couple keys of what you're looking for uh, from them, a couple key stats that, that you've, uh, you've put together and what you're going to be focusing on when Ohio State has the ball. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the, main, <laughs> the main factor that will determine – the outcome of uh, the Ohio State offense versus Mich Michigan defense matchup is likely to be Ryan Day uh, and play calling. Um, now this offense is maybe a little more limited than the Ohio State offense of years past. Um, you know, a lot of the drill down stats, 
you certainly look at a unit that, you know, we're used to like a, a surefire top five unit. It's more of a top 20 unit. Um, SP plus has them at 19th, um, you know, yards per play 20th yards per attempt, 18th points per play 16th. So it's about a back end of the top 20 unit in um, some of the more advanced statistics. Um, but it's still, you know, just oozes talent. Marvin Harrison, uh, legit Heisman contender. He, he won't, he won't have a shot at the, he won't win it unless they beat Michigan and win the big 10, but um, far and away the, the Blitnikoff favorite, one of the best wide receiver prospects we've seen in the last few years in the game. Um, Emeka Buka uh, would be the number one on uh, 128 teams, um, a really solid safety blanket for Kyle McCord. Um, but, you know, it's a unit that has struggled to run at times during the year, only uh, 59th nationally in yards per carry and uh, is not an elite pass protection unit by any means. Uh, only 41st nationally in sacks, uh, sack rate allowed by their offensive line. So um, it's it's going to be a game of Ryan Day calling plays to his offense's strength versus going into um, what is familiar and what is comfortable to him. And there's some Venn diagram there, but it's not uh, – there's a middle to the Venn diagram, but it's not one circle. And I think if Ryan Day gets away from what this team is good at and goes more towards what he's comfortable with, uh, Michigan could take advantage of that. This is a team that traditionally likes to run outside zone a lot. And Michigan has maybe at times struggled with outside zone this year. Uh, It's debatable whether um, Michigan, you know, against outside zone teams has kind of asked you know, dared the team to run more. Uh, obviously, we talk about Minnesota, a heavy RPO team. Um, Maryland tried a little bit outside zone. But Ohio State has not been good at running stretch this year. Um, they really struggled running the ball early, so they've become more of a gap scheme team, a lot more counter heavy, and they're pretty good at it. And now they have a healthy Travion Henderson. So is Ryan Day uh, going to be uh, patient enough to stick with some gap stuff uh, against this Michigan defensive line if it's not hitting right away, or is he going to revert to outside zone, which they're not very good at blocking? Um, and then is uh, is Kyle McCord going to be patient enough or have enough time to go through his progressions when you know, the pre-snap look isn't what he gets post-snap in terms of coverage? So um, I think it's going to be a lot of play calling, uh, a play calling matchup defensively. Obviously, Michigan has the talent to, to stack up Michigan top two defense nationally um, and uh, a unit that can go toe to toe with them talent wise. Um, it's just going to be, can, can Ryan day be patient as a play caller and call things uh, uh, their strengths when Michigan, you know, gets some wins in the first and second quarter with, with a unit that is less, less uh, successful on the year than units that he's had previously. You know, we've seen we've seen Ryan Day revert to, um, you know, some questionable play calling or some, you know, more comfortable play calling for him with more talented offenses. Uh, you know, with a with a unit that's maybe a little worse at the tackle position and the quarterback position, uh, is he going to have more patience than years past? 
Yeah, I th- I think that is certainly one of the bigger matchups when Ohio State has the ball. I, I think the other one is is going to be, and I you know feel like a broken record saying this, but their offensive line, I just don't know. Um, early in the year was a big big weak spot for them, uh, cause of a lot of concern from their fan base. Um, they had to go out and get. Uh, their left tackle from San Diego State. Their guards are probably the strength of the unit, and they have underperformed a little bit this year in terms of they're the strength in terms of talent. But they've kind of underperformed. Donovan Jackson, you know, as as a true freshman, was looking like he was on a star path, and he he is graded out, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, um, as the second lowest lineman, uh, offensive lineman for them overall. Excuse me, he is. Third, um, he's behind Hensman and uh, Simmons. But, you know, I, their offensive line, Ronnie in his rewatch of the Ohio State-Minnesota game noted that Ohio State's offensive line really struggles with stunts on from the defensive front. And that was one of the things, especially in the Maryland game, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, Michigan has used stunts um, an awful lot this year. They're not blitzing um, as much. They still do some, but... Um, a lot of stunts with the front to generate uh, a pass rush. And if that's a weak spot for Ohio State, um, that's going to be an issue, I think. Um, and, and I also think it's interesting when Ohio State has played some defenses in the same kind of tier as Michigan. Um, you know, Penn State, they average 1.9 yards per rush against Penn State. Um which obviously is not very good. That was kind of before Henderson was back in 100%. And then Notre Dame, they put up 366 yards, but only 17 points in that game. So a little bit better on the ground against Notre Dame, 4.7 per carry, but not the typical Ohio State offense that we're used to seeing. Still plenty of talent, uh, still extremely capable. But overall, a step down from what where they normally are, and probably as of today, a big step down at quarterback. I think McCord is fine, and I think plenty of programs would be more than happy to have him. Um, but compared to the standard that Ohio State has been at the last few years, um, he's certainly a step down uh, from their first round talents of the last, you know. I guess the last three quarterbacks now have all been first rounders. So still a really good unit. Um, Not as good as they've been in the past. You mentioned play calling. I mentioned, you know, the matchup from offensive line to defensive line. Anything else that you'll be, Ooh, I'll just ask the question here. Uh, I think there's a few different ways for the Michigan defense to approach the game planning thing. And I want to get your take on, like which one you would prefer. So the one option is, you, should, you know, do everything you can to shut down Marvin Harrison um, and make the other guys beat you. You know, whether that be the run game or the other receivers, you know, putting the ball in McCord's hands and when he's dropping back to elim- try to eliminate Marvin and take your chances with the other guys. The other, you know, Option is you try to shut everyone else down, say Marvin's going to get his, and you know you just hope that Will Johnson and company can limit that to you know a hundred yards and a touchdown or two, rather than you know a two hundred yard explosion with 
two to three touchdowns. And then I guess the final option would be to completely eliminate the run game. Just say, hey, we're not going to let Ohio State beat us on the ground. That's what's gotten a little bit hot for them um, in recent weeks, albeit against a little bit lesser competition with Michigan State and Minnesota. Um, but, you know, we're going to shut them down on the ground and we're going to make Kyle McCord beat Michigan, you know, beat our defense, regardless of which, you know, target he he decides to uh, to lock in on or, you know, whoever he's looking to hit on the day. What what would be your approach, your preferred attack from Michigan's defense? Uh, I think the latter, and I, I don't know if I'm uh, really torn on it. I think I think this is a Ohio State offense that if Michigan can take away their running game, and you don't have to like, you know, the Maryland performance, they, they were under one yard per carry, right? But Maryland against Michigan, that is. That's not the result you need here. But if you can make it an inefficient day, 2.9 yards per carry on the day, you know, three, if you can make it so that they're in third and five, third and six, third and seven pretty frequently, uh, if you can make it so that they want their Ryan Day wants to throw on second down because they only got one or two on first. I just don't think that Kyle McCord is good enough to beat Michigan given their offensive line. Um, and given Michigan's ability to match up outside of Marvin Harrison, they, they can, you know, if, if, if you keep them behind the sticks, I don't think that, uh, if you keep them behind schedule, I don't think that spamming Marvin Harrison is going to win them this game. You know, he might, he might finish the day with 150 yards and a touchdown. Um, but if you tell, if you told me that now, I, I couldn't tell you who, who won or lost. Cause if, if Michigan holds them to an extremely inefficient day on the ground outside of Marvin Harrison going for 150 and a touchdown or 150 and two touchdowns, even that's fine. That's probably a loss for Ohio state. I just think that given, given what McCord has shown when facing pressure this year, that if Ohio state's constantly behind schedule and in second and long and third and medium or long, Michigan will get off the field more often than not. You know, I bring up McCord under pressure this year when, when he's clean in the pocket, his passing grade, his offensive grade on the season for per pro football focus is 92. Uh, it's better than uh, JJ's on the year. Um, JJ, I think they have as a 91.1 overall right now. When faced with pressure, Kyle McCord's offensive grade drops to a 28, like one of the worst nationally uh, wow. of any starting quarterback in, in Division One football. If you wow. speed him up and you, you mess with his eyes, he becomes like a pretty bad quarterback. <laughs> uh, that, that completion percentage drops to 38%. Uh, is very similar to what we saw with uh drew aller mm -hmm. um so it's it's just a different person if you can if you can confuse him and not even hit him but just move him off his mark speed him up make him feel that someone is coming 
Um, and the, the offensive line has struggled in pass protection, specifically the tackles in the center. So to the specific question, I'm, I'm taking away the run game as much as possible. Win on first down, make that, make the run game super inefficient and make, because I think other to my earlier point, I think that will also uh, uh, entice Ryan Day to go back to what he's comfortable with. And that's throwing when the play call should be more 50, 50 throwing in scenarios of, you know, second and seven, third and six, where he actually has more of the playbook open than he thinks. Um, and I think those will be opportunities. Those that leads to opportunities for Michigan to make McCord uncomfortable. Um, and I just don't think if you're able to do that, I don't think he's good enough to spam Marvin Harrison or make the correct decision uh, enough to win over four quarters. If you allow them to get into second and five, third and two a lot, um, you know, they'll be comfortable with the run. They'll trust Trayvon Henderson because he has looked great recently. So yeah, I, I think I think priority number one has to be the running game, um, which is crazy to say given how good Marvin Harrison is, given how good uh, you know Emeka Buka and Cade Stover are. But I think if you put them in longer down and distances, uh, McCord gets shaky, the play calling could get shaky, and then you have to like your chances with Jesse Minter. I, I agree. That would be the, the approach that I hope that they go with um and it, truthfully if you would have gave me those options two weeks ago it's probably a different answer you know before Travion Henderson was back and healthy and looking the way that you know he's looked I I think I probably my answer would be more um pass game centric you know pass game focus there but I think that's the route to go as well and I agree putting their play calling situation or they're play calling in those situations where he, you know, day has a chance to revert is kind of what they did in 2021. Um, they had a lot of run type downs that they, um, you know, elected to go at the pass game. And it really let Michigan's, you know, edges at the time, Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabo kind of get after it a little bit. So I, I think that would be my preferred strategy as well especially limiting explosives uh, can't afford a huge run that used to be kind of a staple of the Ohio state Michigan games. Uh, Michigan would give up a big run to, you know, name whatever running back from Cleveland that Ohio state has for that particular year. <laughs> and that's really kind of gone away the last two years. Um, I believe they had a decent size run in 2021. Um, but last year, I don't remember any big runs, um, not of more than 20 yards off the top of my head. So limiting explosives in the run game and just trying to shut the run game down completely, I think would be my preferred method of attack there. So um, I'm with yeah. you. Anything else on Ohio state's offense? Um, and we talked about the general step down at offensive line versus past years. You, you touched on it a little bit. I think the, clear the tackles are you know not maybe not great but the clear weakest link of the offensive line is Carson Hinsman the center like he's um pretty much a liability uh for them the, I think the biggest strength of Michigan's team generally is our defensive tackles so yes I think the guards are the strength of their offensive line um but at the same time the center is actually quite below average uh, um and Michigan has kind of three uh, defensive tackles playing at an elite level right now and two more playing at a good level. So I would expect um, 
I would expect Michigan to certainly run some stunts in the pass rush game, but also some some slants and stem into some things that might confuse uh, Carson Hinsman and like run block targeting as well. So yeah, just I think probably the the weak link of this entire offense is the the center Carson Hinsman. Yeah, probably the weakest in terms of like grading out. Probably the weakest spot in their offense in the last three seasons. Yeah, um, I, I can't remember uh, offensive player that they've had that's graded um, to the level, not a starter, I should say, uh, that's graded to the level of Carson Hensman um, yeah. in the last few years. So I agree. Um, I just, when it comes down to it for Michigan, and it's been that way or this way for most of the year, I just, can Ohio State hang with Michigan's front? If they can, if they survive it, um, it could be a long day for the defense. But if Michigan comes out and controls the game at the line of scrimmage, it's going to be tough um, in both the run and the pass game for their for their offense. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. And if I saw correctly, Ohio State, uh, according to SP Plus, their update yesterday, um, they are now the number one defense in the country. I think there are a few things similar to Michigan's defense. The defenses in the big 10 are all inflated. Like let's be honest about the quarterback situation in the conference. Uh, It's not good. Both Ohio state and Michigan have, you know, yet to play each other. So um, the numbers for both teams, I think are a little bit skewed, but this, you know, undoubtedly has been a good defense, a great defense all year. They, I was watching a little bit of a breakdown last week about um, how they've switched things up um, a little bit from year one of Jim Knowles, but I think everyone kind of expected uh, year two for them to get better. One of the main adjustments he's made there, pretty heavy 4-2-5 team now. Last year they did a bunch of 3-3-5. They still do some, um, but with Jack Sawyer as kind of – I forget what they even call the position – um, the Leo. They have a, Leo, yeah, they have a special name for it, where uh, he um, was standing up and moving, you know, inside and trying to create matchups for that individual player. Sawyer this year has more so been a standard defensive end in their four-two-five. Um, they're still running uh, their three-three-five version of the nickel nearly 40% of the time this year, if I remember correctly. But they they have made a little bit of adjustment to be a more conservative, less in-your-face, Don Brown-style, solve-your-problems-with-aggression. Um, they still are an aggressive unit, but not near to what they were last year. What are some keys you're looking at uh, when it comes to this Ohio State defense? And and where can Michigan attack some of you know their potentially weak spots? Yeah, so uh, like you mentioned, statistically, this is maybe the best defense in the country. SP plus just flipped Michigan and Ohio state. Michigan goes from first to second. Ohio state goes from second to first. And uh, a lot of the other numbers back it up yards per play first yards per attempt points per play uh, opposing QB rating all first nationally. So on paper, great defense. Uh, If you're looking for the cracks, um, they are only quote unquote only uh, 21st nationally in yards per carry. Um, and, uh, and as it relates to getting to the quarterback, they're, uh, way down at 78th nationally. So 
they have kind of traded a little of the aggressiveness um, for just playing you more straight up uh, in the trench, you know, in the trenches, and daring you to throw at their very good secondary. Traded some of the the sack numbers uh, for just general lack of success testing their defensive backs. Um, but we've seen teams like uh, you know heavy downhill teams like Rutgers have great success against them on the ground. You know, if I'm if I'm looking for a path to success for Michigan, it would be winning early, early down, staying ahead of the chains uh, by running the ball. You know, fairly successful. You're not going to have a, a six yard per carry day against this defense uh, at all. But you know, getting Blake uh, efficient carries early downs and then hitting the play action pass. This is not a good pass rushing front, uh, despite a lot of talent on the defensive line. It's a different type of stout defensive line than Penn State. You know, Penn State has decent defensive tackles um, and just, you know, hellish defensive ends that want to pin their ear back and pin their ears back and go upfield, right? Speed Mm -hmm. rushers. This is a a thicker unit uh, for Ohio State. You know, JTT and Jack Sawyer on the edges are are bigger dudes. They're not going to win with speed constantly. They're athletic. You know, they're smooth athletes, but they're bigger players. And they're not, you know, they're not going to get in wide nines and just blow up blow up the field. So if Michigan can be efficient on early downs running the football and have a decent day running the football overall, it'll open up the play action pass and JJ McCarthy could could have or should have a lot of time. It it should not look like the Penn State game. It should not look like the Maryland game. Or even like a guy like Donnell Brown would be the best pass rusher on Ohio State. Uh, Donnell Brown for Maryland. So key is staying ahead of the chains and uh, doing so on the ground, what should open up the uh, play action pass. Um, And this is as good opportunity as you've had since Michigan state really uh, to keep JJ clean. I mean, even Purdue, all of Purdue, Penn state and Maryland have a much higher sack rate than this Ohio state defense. So key is keys being efficient on early downs and, and, keeping JJ clean and even those you know they do have really good defensive backs but with time to throw um you gotta you gotta like your chances with JJ McCarthy yeah I think it'll be you know this is the best offense that Ohio State has faced by a pretty wide margin I believe when we talked before the show um you had mentioned that Penn State and Notre Dame aren't that far off ranking wise from Michigan's offense but you know, I think most people that have watched all three of those units would pretty much unanimously agree that Michigan is the best unit there, and they they're ranking that way too. I, Michigan is sixth in SP plus. Notre Dame's twentieth. Penn State is twenty third. So even there is a material gap between Michigan and those two teams. But even though, like you just said, those two teams feel inflated on SP plus. That those two teams have not been trending upward throughout the year in terms of offensive prowess. Yeah, and I, I think one of the big things in the Notre Dame matchup, which I thought was a you know, similar to how Maryland's passing attack was a little bit of a good precursor um for Michigan, what they're gonna see, you know, a much better unit uh, with Ohio State, but um a similar unit nonetheless. The Notre Dame game from early in the year kind of gave the blueprint in terms of how to attack. And I, I think Notre Dame abandoned the run way mm-hmm. too too early. Um, both Estime and um, Jeremiah Love uh, averaged over five yards a carry. Uh, actually, Estime was right at five, and Jeremiah Love was 7.1 um, per carry. So I think there, there are holes to exploit 
uh, on the ground. I still, I'm still not sure that Steel Chambers is a great linebacker. He's improved drastically. I'm still not sure he's great. Um, and I'm not sure that Tommy Eichenberg is the type of athlete that can handle our backs um, in space. So I think in terms of the run game specifically, I think Michigan will have a few wrinkles up their sleeve. They always do. Um, the JJ run game will certainly be um, part of the plan on Saturday. Um, but I think Michigan can attack these guys on the edge. I would guess before um, Lathan Ransom's injury that Ohio State was planning to do a lot of their big nickel with Sonny Styles down at their nickel spot um, and Ransom back at safety. With Ransom being hurt, Sonny Styles has moved back to safety and played almost exclusively that. Now they, they play you know Hancock full-time at nickel, which they were doing quite a bit before, but um, they play more of a three-corner, two-safety look rather than a three-safety, two-corner look. I think we would have got a heavy dose of that if Ransom was still um, healthy, but the depth behind uh, Sonny Styles and um, Josh Proctor is, you know, you're talking about, you know, the fourth and fifth safety there, one of them being Cam Martinez, um, who hasn't hardly played at all this year. So um, without their ability to go big nickel, I think they're – or less of their ability to go big nickel, I think there will be some holes to um, attack, especially on the edges um, against this unit. I, I just don't know that their linebackers are athletic enough to handle our backs in space. Um, and even like the Samaj Morgan stuff, you know, getting him involved on the edge is certainly, I think, a, a chance or a place where Michigan can exploit Ohio State's defense a little bit. Yeah, to your point on the linebackers, they're, they're by far the lowest graded starters on the defense per pro football focus. Um, Steel Chambers grading out at a 66. Uh, Point one, Tommy Eichenberg a sixty three point two on the season, um, which are you know very very much closer to average players than you know you want to be uh, kind of seventy or above is starting to be uh, what you would call a, a, a pretty good player. Um, not not where Eichenberg was graded by PFF last year. He's had some injury stuff this year. Um, the only other player below a 70 on their defense is Davis and Igbenos, and he's up at a 68.3. So uh, this is a defense full of, you know, guys that at least are grading out really well, the pro football focus from the teams, uh, the opponents they've faced, but uh, definitely seems like the soft spot of this defense is still in the middle with the linebackers. What are you looking for in the passing game? Specific yeah, strategy or thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I, th I would echo what you just said, try to get Donovan Edwards on linebackers, try to get, um, you know, find, pick, take your, pick your shots when you, you see you have man coverage to get a running back out wide on a linebacker or to get, you know, mo use motion to get uh, a tight end, get Loveland out, you know, on the, on the flank with Eichenberg or Chambers. Um, and then I would also try to, we don't really know the health of Josh Proctor. We think we, we expect him to play. I, I can't remember if he came back against Minnesota. Uh, he did have a concussion against, um, 
Rutgers that kept him out of the Michigan State game. Um, I would try to attack the safeties uh, with Roman Wilson. Um, and I would also probably try to use motion uh, to attack uh, Igbenosin. Igbenosin is averaging half a pass interference call per game. He has six on the year. Um, they probably could have 15 if you've watched their games. He's one of the grabbiest corners I've seen uh, in the Big Ten this year. Um, yes, so I would, I, would try to, I would try to maybe motion, use uh, uh, short motion um, to get a player, get a receiver, uh, generally Wilson or Johnson, moving um, into their route uh, to make Igbenosin – you know, try to bait Igbenosin to grab um, off the line as well. Um, but I think there'll be opportunities to attack the linebackers, to attack the safeties, and, uh, you know, off a deep play-action shot, maybe if you're not successful, still draw a PI. Yeah, I think um, this, you know, is a spot. The middle of their defense is, is, from a passing standpoint, is the worst part of their defense. And I think Roman Wilson playing a heavy amount of slot this year for Michigan. The tight ends, the running backs. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity. Samaj Morgan, even. Um, just a lot of opportunity to attack there. Uh, pass protection will be key. Um, depending on what Michigan has uh, at tackle, it sounds like Ladarius Henderson will be back at left tackle. And I would expect Carson Barnhart to be the right tackle still. Um if Miles Hinton is healthy, um, you could see a situation where if Barnhart looks, he, he just doesn't look healthy to me. I don't know, you know, I don't know how he goes from a good player last year, good not great player last year, to you know just getting blown off the ball um, in the last two games. It, it there just seems like something maybe is off with him a little bit. Um, but if Miles Hinton is healthy, you could have a pivot option. Um, there at tackle, um, if need be for the pass game. Um, but I just think there's some areas to exploit there, um, in the middle of their defense, uh, especially if we can get them locked into man coverage on, on some of our, um, some of our weapons in the middle of the field. Um, last year, Cornelius Johnson had a great game against these guys, um, He's been coming on a little bit this year, kind of a little bit of a slow drip. Um, hasn't had a great year by any stretch, but uh, made a few plays against Maryland, a uh, few plays in the first half against Penn State. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him have a good game, but I'm more expecting um, Michigan to look for mismatches uh, on safeties and linebackers than to have much of an outside, um, outside attack in the pass game. Any other thoughts on the offense before uh, we jump over to just general vibes and prediction? Uh, it's Blake Quorum's birthday, so give give yourself. Uh, ho- hopefully, the offensive line gives him a good present, and uh, he gives himself a good present of a historic day. Yeah, I think um, it'll be a huge opportunity for him. Um, you know, obviously, the game last year. Um, trying to give it a go and not being able to. 
Um, and even the year before, um, I believe he was banged up going into that game. Um, yeah. And then that ended up being the Hassan Haskins game as well. So um, Blake hasn't had a huge opportunity against Ohio State to um, leave his mark on this rivalry. So um, we all know with with the way Blake is and the, the things that motivate him, um, he seems to be the type of guy to really rise to the occasion. Um for a rivalry like this. So mm-hmm. on his birthday, no less, uh, could expect a, a big day from him. So general vibes of the game. I think two weeks ago, um, prior to the suspension, prior to, you know, JJ maybe having an off day uh, at Maryland or, you know, them going completely run heavy in Happy Valley. Um, I, I think two weeks ago, both of us would have said, you know, expecting a win. Michigan's the best team in the conference. It's fairly obvious. Um, you know, the margin is is decent enough, and it's at home. Advantage at quarterback. Now, you know, as we sit here on Monday, you know, there's been a little bit of doubt that's crept in. Um, What is just your overall feeling about the game? I mean, are you feeling confident still, Um, despite your typical worrisome (laughs) uh, characteristics? It's because to me, we we talked about this before, you know, before we started recording. It it just feels like a head versus heart type of game. Um, But expand on that a little bit, expand what you think there and um, what's your overall feeling of the game. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely nervous at this point. I don't know if the last time I haven't been nervous before any opponent, um, uh, like the whole year, I mean, maybe uh, Bowling Green and UNLV, but even, even UNLV, I was like, well, they kind of have a interesting offense. Maybe see if we figure that out. Um, but yeah, I, I have my general nerves and then I think just the weight of the game. I mean, there's, you can only, the, the number of narratives coming out of this game, um, given all the possible outcomes, uh, are, are limitless, right? Like this, every Michigan, Ohio state game sets sets the narrative, sets the trash talk, sets the, you know, fan base feelings for the next 365 days. But this, this one, given what's surrounding the two teams right now, uh, feels like it'll set the, set the narrative and set set the emotions for longer than just the next year. So um, I think the weight of the game and combined with my general uh, opponent nerves, you know, general to all Michigan opponents is making this feel um, making this feel pretty heavy already on Monday, but yeah, we, we text, you know, text throughout the week, text off air and and talk off air and Friday uh, pre Maryland, I was like supremely confident uh, in Michigan over Ohio state Uh, during the Maryland game. I was mostly, mostly concerned about the Maryland outcome, but um, you know, feeling a little bit worse. And then on Sunday, uh, uh, I was back to like 
pretty confident uh, in the Ohio State game. And then, um, yeah, set your clock to it. Game week Monday, I, I, the nerves have crept back in. So, um, yeah, I'm nervous. I uh, It's just a huge, huge game for, um, yeah, all the normal reasons, but just for what the talking heads will do uh, for the next 12 months, um, no matter who wins. And uh, and just the the trickle down effect that it could have for either program. So a lot of nerves. I agree that you know the general kind of negativity of maybe our fan base has has kind of crept into to my own head a little bit here. Um, trying to keep it out as much as possible and and just continue to look at the the facts on paper. But it's hard. It's hard. It's Monday of the biggest uh michigan ohio state week yeah in a long time yeah i agree with a lot of what you said the my only i guess thought in response to that would be doesn't it feel like a lot of the pressure is on ohio state yeah Um, yeah i mean it's it's uh given (laughs) given what the narratives are out there and the fact that michigan like institutionally is pretty confident that a lot of the sign gate stuff was started by Ohio state. Um, and now, you know, you've, you've painted Michigan as cheaters. And the only reason you, you, you know, couldn't block Aiden Hutchinson or couldn't tackle Donovan Edwards the last two years is because Michigan had your signs. Yeah. You damn well better win this game. I think a huge part of the game is just going to be harnessing that, there's going to be a lot of emotion from the Michigan side. And, you know, Ohio State fans will say that the adversity was self-inflicted, yada, yada, yada. I, I don't care. It's still it's still there. The feelings are still there. The emotion is always high. Um, the emotions are always high for this game, and I think it's elevated even more so this year. So controlling that, um, playing within themselves, being at home, I think, is huge this year. Um, I would expect the crowd to be as loud as it's ever been when Ohio State has the ball. Um, yeah, it. Uh, despite the nerves, I just feel like a lot of the pressure is on Ohio State for this game. So I just and and I think like even on paper, which maybe hasn't been the case the last two years, I think on paper Michigan is actually better this year. Um, and you can argue, you know, in hindsight that they were better last year and same thing with 2021. Um, but I think going into the game, it feels like this year is the year that I kind of, you know, after that win in 2021, I thought, okay, you know, they might get Michigan next year cause it's in Columbus, but like that 2023 Michigan squad is going to be loaded. And that's kind of, you know, played itself out. Um, Mm -hmm. So this year, I think, is the first year in quite some time. I mean, 2019, I think, maybe I expected to win um, based on the defense that year. But um, Shoot, and I don't know when before that. Uh, I like 16 and 18, we were um, 
not cheated. It's just how it, how it works out. But it, the, the, the unfortunate thing in those two years, we had a, what we felt like was a really good team, but we had to play in Columbus. Okay. Right? 18 was the year that not 19. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 18 Six. was the year that Ohio state tried to lose to Maryland the week before. And Correct. we thought, Oh wow, we're, we're going to go into Columbus and, and roll them. This team is so flawed. And uh, obviously it went the other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 18 and 16 were probably the last two times I expected to win going into the game. Um, so it, you know, it feels like even on paper this year that um, that's kind of the expectation with all the, and then with all the pressure, you know, at least from, from what it feels, all the pressure being on their side of things and it being at home. Um, I, I'm feeling all right about it, you know, as of Monday evening. So, um, let's get right into the predictions. Um, it is currently a three and a half point spread did, or did it go back to four and a half? Uh, I saw earlier it had gone at least back to four. Um, I know it got down to three, but, uh, at one of the, someone at one of the books said a lot of you know, early money came in on Ohio state and then the money kept going back to Michigan. If you give me. Two seconds, I'll give you the current line. Yeah, CBS Sports says minus three. Okay. Uh, looking on DraftKings, three and a half. Okay. So, uh, three and a half point spread. Michigan is favored. Uh, the over under 46 and a half. What do you have for your prediction? Uh, I mean, I agree with. I agree with a lot of what you just said. I do think all the pressure's on Ohio State. Um, and I think we're going to get a better JJ than we got against Maryland. Um, Something you know, closer to the Purdue version of JJ. Um, getting Roman Wilson back for this game, obviously he was held out of the rest of the Maryland game after the big hit. It's huge for Michigan's offense. He's kind of the one uh, wide receiver that really will uh, – cause concern for defensive backs, um, you know, excluding our tight ends. But um, so I think, you know, Michigan's going to have their best shot available uh, on offense in terms of just personnel, mentality, health, physical health. Um, this is a great Ohio State defense. Uh, it's, it's better than their defense last year. Um, I think Michigan's defense is better than our defense last year. Uh, and I, the Ohio State offense is worse, um, but I think uh, it's still a very good offense. Um, and they've got Travion he uh, Henderson healthy at the exactly correct time. Um, and if you look at a lot of the advanced stats, this is mostly uh, a toss-up. You know, um, seven of the kind of nine big models I look at, uh, you know, aggregated have it at 55% uh, Michigan, you know, uh, which is about what ESPN's FPI has it at as well. Uh, SP plus says about 64% Michigan. So they're a little bullish there. Um, yeah. I, I think it's about a toss up. Um, and, and right now I think my head says Michigan by four to seven um, in a, a semi-low scoring game. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think my, my, my nerves and the, just the gut of, 
um, you know, where things are at right now is is telling me something like Ohio State 28, Michigan 21. Um, yeah, it, it's it's gonna be a good, I think it's gonna be a good game, um, but I think maybe Ohio State has kind of upped their firepower right at the end here, and um, maybe you know just the lack of rhythm recently for Michigan uh, is kind of I can't get it out of my head. So I, I'll take I'll take Ohio State by a single score, um, but yeah, I, I, I will say if if uh, you know talking about the narratives and everything, this is a big test of ball don't lie theory. Um, I just think this is, if ball don't lie, Michigan Michigan will win this game. But, um, yeah, I think just where things are trending the last couple of weeks, I got to go Ohio State. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> um, trying to decide on which number I want. Ohio State has, um, I meant to look at their red zone. Um, efficiency numbers, but they they've had quite a few drives um, on Saturday against uh, Minnesota, kind of stall out in the red zone, um, and that's been kind of the case the last couple of years against Michigan's defense. Um, ah, screw it, thirty-one twenty, Michigan. <laughs> I I just think I think they're going to have. They're going to move the ball. I think they're going to put up yards on this defense. But I think when it comes down to it, Michigan can clamp it down in the red zone and hold them to field goals. Um, I I don't think Ohio State wins the game if not for a big Henderson run. If we can shut that down, you know, I'm thinking – Either one Henderson touchdown, one Marvin touchdown, and multiple field goals, or two Marvin, no Henderson, multiple field, you know, a couple touchdowns, maybe even three. Um, but I just think the defense will shut it down um, as they get into the red zone. And I think the offense has enough, um, will have enough wrinkles and uh, mismatches uh, in the middle of the field um, to get back on track. So 31-20 Michigan. Um, I feel pretty good about the margin. Um, Not as good about how high I have it. I think it could be like a 21-10 or – you know, 28, 17. Um, but I'll, I'll go with 31, 20. Cause there always seems to be a little bit more scoring in this game than, than anticipated going in. So, um, yeah, I actually saw a statistic today that every Michigan Ohio state game has hit the over since 2013. So, yep. I feel good about that. Uh, that, that total there. Yeah. I think, um, I think the last two years, Michigan has hit it themselves. Themselves, yeah. Yep. Um, and I'm sure Ohio State's done that a few times. So, um, yep, 31-20, Michigan. Anything else uh, before we uh, sign off for the holiday week? And um, anything else you want to get out about the game before, before we say goodbye? Nope. 
just Michigan versus everybody. Win it for win it for Harbaugh. Free gym. <laughs> That's right. Uh, thanks for listening to another edition of Hail to Michigan podcast. Uh, for Ronnie and Contown, uh, I hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. And as always, go blue.